0: If you haven't met, my name is Justin, I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone, um, and we are in the last week of a three-week series called Basic, and this is something, um, if you've been with us the last couple years, you know that we do this series from time to time, because we like to hit some of those topics that in some ways are simple, like they are so foundational to our faith and who we are and, and who we are as a church and who we are as Christ followers, but even while they're basic, they can be tough to understand, tough to figure out, and, and even more importantly, tough to live out. And so in the past, we've talked about communion. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about different things relating to our faith. Uh, In this summer, we decided to take three weeks and look at the basics of the Great Commission. This was that last thing that Jesus left behind, and I'll read back through it for you. Um, It's from Matthew chapter 28, and it's uh, Jesus talking to his disciples as I get there. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Uh, Here we go. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, the first week, Joe was up here, did a great job just kind of uh, describing how some of these verses are to be read and and, and interpreted. And basically, when you come to a verse, it's like a kitchen remodel. All right, you've got a kitchen sink. You start there, and everything gets built around that. And what he taught us is that in this verse, we like to get stuck on go. It's the strong word. You get that strong G sound, go. And as Christians... Accurately so, we believe we've got to go somewhere. And for some people, you are supposed to go to Africa or go to China or go to Mexico and leave where you are and go and make disciples. Now, sometimes that's true, but the kitchen sink of this verse is actually make disciples. And so as you re go through the verse, it, it's actually saying, as you go, as you go to the store, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you move down the street, as you leave the state, as you go to Mexico, as you go, take your faith. Take what you've learned. Take what God has instilled in you and make disciples. And last week we talked about how that can be scary, but it's not quite so scary, right? Because we grow up and sometimes discipleship means Sunday school. Sometimes that means a small group. Sometimes that means a Bible study. Sometimes that means a sermon or a book or having one-on-one coffee with someone. It can mean all of those things, but really as we look through the New Testament, there's a common phrase that comes up and it says, passed on. What we received, we passed on to you. What we learned from the Lord, we passed on to you. Hold tight to what has been passed on to you. And so, wherever you've been in life, if God's brought you through some interesting financial seasons, if He's taken you on some interesting travels, if He's done some crazy things in and through your family, if He's taught you things, if people have had an impact on your life, don't just hoard that. Take what you've been given, take what's been passed on to you, and pass it on to someone else. That's making disciples. And that can be as simple as the gospel and the basics of who Jesus is, and that can be as complicated as all the learning that we have now in commentaries and Bible colleges and all those things. Go and make disciples. And so today we come to the third part, which is an interesting part. It's baptism, because it goes on to say, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And baptism is one of those things where if you talk about going, go we get that, right? Like, okay, so I'm going to the store, so I'm going down the street, okay, I'm going on a mission trip, whatever that is, go. We can wrap our minds around that. There's not a lot of disagreement around what it means to go. And then make disciples, right? Of course we're supposed to share our faith, and of course as people accept Christ, they begin to grow and learn more and, and learn how to follow him and live for him. Not a lot of debate about that part, but when it comes to baptism, there is a lot of debate. It's tough to figure out sometimes. There can be some tension and some disagreements and different ideas of what it is and how it happens. And, and I, but, but I want to compare it to a, uh, uh, a wedding. Okay, I, I did a wedding last weekend. It was super hot, but it was good, as great as outside. Um, it rained a little. We sweated a little. Just kind of a great combination of all four seasons of Michigan. Um, but one thing, at, at the end of every wedding, and maybe you don't always see this part unless you're the bride and the groom or one of the witnesses, is you have to sign the marriage license. So it's my job to wait and wait and wait. And you watch the bride and groom do their pictures and they take an hour and then the bride does her pictures. It's another hour and everybody's like, the shrimp is gone and the appetizers are gone. we chips. Are you done with pictures yet? And they're like, okay, we're done. And then I take them and take them for another 10 minutes and we do the marriage license and the witnesses sign it and I sign it and the bride and the groom sign it and that makes it legal. That makes it official. But here's the thing. That license is just a physical representation of what has already occurred. They've already said their vows. They've already made their commitments. They've already said that they love each other. They've already decided that this is forever. And the piece of paper just kind of makes it final. It's really important, but it makes it final. Same with, um, uh, we had graduation season a couple months ago and kids turn the tassel and they get their diplomas. That doesn't really accomplish anything. That's a celebration of something that's already occurred. They already earned the grades. They already did the work. They've already been declared graduated. And so the diploma is just a stamp on top of that. Same with uh, a ribbon-cutting ceremony for a business. They'll have that. Sometimes the business has already been open for a while, and they have this ceremony. It's it's just a representation of the work that has already been done. And that's the thing. All of those things are just that. They are simply a physical representation that, that is an expression of something that's already real, it's already true, long before the outward ceremony takes place. And baptism, although it takes on many different shapes and forms and meanings, that's really what it is. But it's a big deal. And so when something is a big deal, it can be tremendously unifying for a church, for a family, because you're talking about a celebration, you're talking about a major milestone in somebody's life, you're talking about generations being brought together, and you're talking about something that represents life change that has been happening in the life of an individual so it can be very unifying but conversely it can be a little bit divisive among believers if it's not handled correctly and that's not necessarily unexpected because you're talking about a topic that's very personal to people you involve family you involve traditions you involve the spiritual side of life and that naturally increases the intensity level of the conversation So you've got something that could be unifying. You've got something that could be divisive. It's personal. It's family-related. It's spiritual. Now add to that the different ideas of what it is because you've got some people who would say, baptism is this, and they put way too much value on it. And then you've got some people on the other side, and they put way too little value on it. And you've got all these other people in between. So you've got people putting too much value, putting too little value. There's family involved. It's spiritual, and they're all coming together in one place trying to figure out this baptism thing. And because of that, because of the potential, we've got to be on the same page as a church. What do we believe about baptism? And so for us, baptism becomes one of those distinctive beliefs to our church. And let me me explain what that means. Kathy mentioned Growth Track 101. If you go to that or if you've already been to that, you've kind of heard our little spiel about beliefs. And we don't run through every belief, but we categorize it where category one, those are the essentials. Those are the non negotiables. Those things are so core to who we are and what we believe are so black and white in Scripture, there's no debate. Okay? One example Jesus is God. Not having a conversation. You might disagree, you might see something different, but it is so clear in Scripture that Jesus is God. We're set. It's not an issue, and if you're not on that same page, you're going to struggle to kind of really keep up with what we teach and believe here. That is a core essential belief. So that's category one. Jump down to category three. Category three is stuff like, um, were there dinosaurs on the ark? If there were, what happened to them? I don't know. We can have a fun discussion. We can read some books, read some blogs. We can do some scientific stuff. Whatever the answer is, I don't know. We're probably not going to do a whole sermon on if there was dinosaurs on the ark. We're the, what's the dragon in Revelation? Now, that's important. It's something we can study. But that's not some, we're not going to do a series on the dragon in Revelation because although it's in there and it's something we can study, th- there's no way of really nailing down exactly what some of that stuff is talking about. So it's stuff that we have opinions on, stuff that we think is probably true, But not something we're going to be too hardcore about. So that's number three. Baptism is in the second category, right in the middle, where we feel very strongly about this. As we look at Scripture, as we look at what the Bible says, what Jesus modeled for us, this is what we believe is true. This is how we believe it should happen. This is where we believe it should happen. This is who should be involved. This is who should take part. But here's the thing we know that baptism is important, but when it comes to the who, what, when, and where, and why, it's not necessarily a hill that we're going to die on. Okay? It's not in that first category. It's not, it's not undervalued. It's kind of right there in the middle where we have very strong beliefs about what it means, where we're willing to agree to disagree, but if you disagree, I think you're wrong. Okay. So if you're good with that, that's where we're at with baptism. But how, wherever you feel about it, it's a part of the Great Commission. It's a part of what Jesus left behind for us to do and be a part of, so that makes it a really big deal. And so today I just want to lay out some of the basics of what baptism is, what it means, and why it's so important to us. And so today it's kind of a little bit more of an educational type talk. Um, I don't think there's any more stories. I'm not going to be funny at all today. Uh, So if you came looking for jokes, you came to the wrong church because we stand. serious. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So some important notes on baptism so that we're all on the same page as far as what Fieldstone believes and teaches and practices when it comes to baptism. So first thing. We believe baptism is for those who are already followers of Jesus. We believe baptism is for those who already believe in Jesus. You can look at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 16, other passages in the New Testament, and the pattern that you see is believe and be baptized. Give your life to Jesus and then be baptized. That's the pattern that we see. Now, there's some repercussions that come with that because if that's what we believe, then that means no infants. right, some of you grew up in a tradition, a faith background, maybe some of you were baptized as infants, but if we look at it and we say, okay, if baptism comes after repentance, if it comes after believing in Jesus, then the infant thing doesn't count. Um, We do child dedications here, so that's where we we get parents up here with their child, and they're saying to us as a church, hey, we are committing before you and before God. We're going to raise this kid to know God. We're going to give them every opportunity to love God. We're going to give her all the education she needs so that she can make a decision for herself to know and follow Jesus. And we as a church look back at them and say, okay, if that's what you're committing to us, then we're going to help you. We're going to make sure that we're teaching them, that we're empowering them, that we are affirming what you're teaching in your home. In the short time that we have with them, we're going to support you as much as we can And your efforts to raise this kid to know Jesus. And then it's ultimately on the kid to grow up and make that decision for themselves. And so it's and so when it comes to baptizing an infant, in my opinion, looking at scripture, it doesn't make any sense because that child is not conscious enough to know what they're doing, know what's taking place, and have already placed their faith in Jesus. So that's one. Second part of that is if anybody's gonna get baptized, we have a pretty good conversation with them. We say, okay. What do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you understand what that means? Do you you understand what you're stepping into? Do you understand what baptism is? Do Do you understand what it's not? Do you understand what it means to follow Jesus from this point on? Do you understand the gravity of that and some of the difficulty that will come with that? Okay, then let's do it. So basically, we're saying it's an outward expression of a decision and a life change that's already taken place on the inside. I was this. And then Jesus got a hold of my life, and now I'm this, whatever that story is. So baptism becomes our alignment with what Jesus taught and what he called us to. And here's the thing, baptism didn't start with Christians, right? This is something, baptism, ceremonial washings, and cleansings have been happening for thousands of years in various different religions. But here's what it always meant in all of those contexts, both Christian and otherwise. When people were baptized, they were typically baptized into someone's name, and they're saying, I'm in with what you're saying. I'm in with what you're about. I agree with who you are and what you're calling me to. I'm in, so here's proof. I believe, so I'm being baptized. And that makes it a really important part, not only of being a disciple, but making disciples, making sure that people are going beyond the words of saying they follow Jesus, but putting it into practice. And that starts with baptism, saying, I'm in, publicly professing, I've made this decision on the inside, now I'm going to live it out on the outside. And baptism becomes that first step in expressing what Jesus has done in our lives. So we believe baptism is for those who already believe in Jesus. Second thing, we believe baptism is not required to be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. There's a a phrase used in uh, Christian circles called sola fide, and it basically means salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, sola fide. Baptism is a physical act, it's a human thing, it's something we decide to do. And if baptism had any part in the process, we could claim a role in our salvation. Well, why are you going to heaven? Why are you forgiven? Why are you born again? Because I got in this pool of water. Because my pastor dunked me. Because I decided to show up on this day and and wore a swimsuit to church. and, and, And all of a sudden, there's something that humans are deciding to do that's playing a role in our receiving of salvation and grace and forgiveness. But the Bible says it has nothing to do with that. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And so the physical act of baptism cannot play a part in that great way to push back on disagreement on that is the thief on the cross right jesus got crucified there's one on either side one of them kept up the harassment but the other one realized man there's something different about this guy i think he is who he said he is and he says jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and jesus says yeah today Today you'll be with me in paradise. But first they got off the cross and went over to a body of water, and Jesus baptized him, took him out of the water, and they went back and got on their crosses, and he said, Now you're set. No, that didn't happen, all right? Now somebody's paging through the Bible like, I missed that part. No, that didn't happen. Um, Sorry, I wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, That thief had no time to fix anything. He had no time to go and tell his mom he was sorry for the choices he had made. He had no time to go and tell his wife that he was sorry for the way that he treated. He had no time to go back and tell his kids he was sorry he wasn't going to be there to raise them and not to make the same mistakes he did. He had no time for any of that. All he had time for was, Jesus, I believe in you. What can we do about this? And Jesus responded, it's all good. When I enter my kingdom, you'll be right there with me today. And so if baptism had any part in that, there's something missing there. So we believe baptism is not required for salvation. Then the third thing, we believe there's nothing special about baptism water. Jesus and John the Baptist, they preferred the Jordan River and is usually like a kind of a side pool of the Jordan River, usually really gross, okay, nothing you really want to go get clean in. Um, The pool, little tank that we do here when we do it uh, in this building, it's not nasty, but, I mean, there's the occasional Band-Aid that floats by and stuff like that, but it's, it's not, like, awesome. It's usually a little colder than I prefer, but it is what it is. It's just water. We came from the tap, and we try to warm it up. Our baptism here coming up in August, it's going to be at the Layden's Pool. Very nice setting, nice pool. Bill's promised me some warm temperatures, but at some point it came through a hose, right? Is it city water or well water? Well water. It's well water. That's even grosser, right? So it's not even that, it's not even that nice. There's nothing special about the water. It, it doesn't do anything. It's just the, the means by which we carry it out. So now you're thinking, okay, so, and, and if you're newer, and admittedly, this whole series is very much geared towards church people, right? We're trying to figure out where are we as a church? What are some of these basics? So if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm visiting. I don't get this. How come you're talking to all the churchy people? From time to time, we've got to kind of collect ourselves on this. But if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of new to this baptism thing. I'm trying to wrap my mind around where you're at. Uh, when it comes to baptism. You might be thinking, all right, it's not necessary for salvation. It's supposed to come after salvation. There's nothing magical about the water. Like, aren't you kind of diminishing the value of this baptism thing? Like, why, why is this part of the Great Commission? The, the go part seems really important. The making disciples part seems really important. And Justin, it seems like you're taking the baptized part and pushing it down a little bit. So why, why is this such a big deal? Why do we practice baptism? Few reasons. First one is to follow the example of Christ. In Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus himself being baptized. Matthew 3, 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And Jesus replied, Let it be so it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened and the spirit of God descended like a dove and alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. So John is offering this baptism of repentance. Remember, Jesus hasn't died at this point. John's basically saying, here's the truth. This is what you've been believing. This is how you've been interpreting the Old Testament. This is what you believe about God and life and all these things. I'm here to tell you that someone else is coming. The Messiah is coming. The kingdom is coming. So I want to encourage you to repent. Get on board with what God is doing. And when people, were, when people accepted that message, they wanted to agree with that truth, align themselves with John's teaching, and so they would be baptized by him. And Jesus comes along and says, I need you to baptize me. And John is feeling the way I would feel like I don't know how we would know it was him, but let's say Jesus came walking through those doors right now and sat down here in the front row and said, keep on going, Justin, I want to hear some preaching. I'd be like, um, how about like you just kind of, I'll let you take any passage, take something from Leviticus if you want. Just if you would preach, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. That would be really awkward if Jesus sat down and wanted to hear me preach. That's what John is feeling right now. Like he's this normal, messed up, sinful human man and the God of the universe, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who he's been preaching about, shows up and says, I want you to baptize me. And John finally gives in and Jesus says, this, this isn't just about you and me. This is about me being in line with God's will. You see, Jesus was conforming to what God was asking of him and setting an example of what God is asking of us. And so we get baptized to follow that example. Second reason we practice baptism is to obey the command of Christ. We've, we've been in Matthew 28 through the series, and certainly it's part of the Great Commission. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Align them with my teaching. So it was part of John the Baptist's ministry. It was a part of Jesus' ministry, and now it's part of the church's ministry and mission. We can go to uh, Acts chapter 2, and we can see some of this, where baptism is consistently a huge part and has a huge role within the church. Acts 2:38. Peter replied, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Down to verse 41, "Those who accepted His message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. and go a couple pages over to Acts chapter eight. Uh, Acts 8:12. So Philip was doing some teaching, and when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Okay, we can go over to Acts 10.44. This is Peter's turn. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. By the way, totally other conversation, totally other sermon. They already had the Holy Spirit before the baptism happened. So that's just another conversation if you want to, uh, we can we can talk. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter's to st- peter to stay with them for a few days so you see the consistent role that baptism played throughout this early church and so baptism becomes all of a sudden you know we did the sermon on the mount this winter and all the things that it looks like to live out the kingdom of god what it means to follow jesus so all of a sudden it gets put in that category of if you're a follower of jesus obey your parents if you're a follower of jesus stay pure If you're a Christ follower, live a life of generosity. If you're a Christ follower, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you're a Christ follower, believe and be baptized. It's something we're commanded to do as followers of Christ, not only following his his example, but obediently following him and his command. So we follow the example of Christ. We seek to obey the command of Christ. And then thirdly, we get baptized to unite with the body of Christ. Back to Ephesians. We'll go uh, chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Paul says this. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we are united in Christ. We are united in our faith in Him. We are united in baptism. It's like a it's like a Marine's tattoo. They walk around, they got the same thing, and they say, "Hey, you're one of my brothers." It's it's like uh, those of you who are bikers. I'm not a biker, but I've seen you. You ride around the street, and when you pass another biker, you're all like, "Yo, we're on the same side." Just throw a nice little wave. I've seen you do it, right? So that's that thing. Like, we're unified by that thing. We're we're, we're on our bikes, boom, same team, right? Same with uh, uh, varsity letterman jackets that you wear in high school. Some of you try to pull it out now and prove to your kids used to be cool. But you got this varsity coat, and if you see somebody at the mall, you're like, they're with me. They're from my school. They're from my team. It becomes a unifying thing. That's what baptism becomes. We're all a part of it. That's also why we believe in baptism by immersion, right? Because part of that unification is saying, okay, I was who I was in my sin, but now I'm dead to sin. I'm buried with Christ. I'm raised to new life. I'm a new creation. I'm a part of this amazing new body united in Christ. And the word baptized actually means to submerge, to immerse, to plunge. When we look at the the baptisms that are described in the New Testament, they're all by immersion. Now, here's the thing. If it's not available, not going to be jerks about it, right? Like, uh, certainly the ideal is that there's enough water that you can submerge somebody, but it's a picture, right? It's a symbol. We had a um, uh, family from our church here. They had a sister who was really on her deathbed in the last few months and, had, and was a follower of Jesus but hadn't been baptized. So her pastor came, um, and on her deathbed, they did a baptism. Now, they didn't immerse her, and so it's fine. Like, like we're not going to be dogmatic about something like that, but it's, uh, that's the ideal because that's the picture, picture of our old self buried, raised again to new life in Christ, and so we're unified by that baptism. So just to, you know, to close out, just kind of a practical look at some of this, because many of you, as I look out, I know you, I've known you a long time, you're following Jesus, you've been baptized, you're like, all right, cool, but some of you maybe haven't, and maybe you've got some reasons why, so I want to address some of those reasons why maybe you haven't been baptized. Um, So why haven't I been baptized? Number one, I didn't know it was a big deal. (laughs) Now you do. Number two, I'm not ready or I don't know enough yet. Well, in the New Testament there, the only requirement for baptism was to believe. Now, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's sinful to wait. Jesus was 30 when he got baptized, right? So it wasn't like, boom, I'm 12, I got to get baptized. And that kicked off his ministry. But I don't believe you should wait. In the, in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's pretty urgent. Like they believed and then they were baptized right away. And sometimes they would come across people and they're like, yeah, we, we believe in Jesus. We've heard... And they're like, wait, you haven't been baptized yet? Oh, man. And then they take care of it right away. It's a big deal. Believe and be baptized. It's it's not about having the New Testament memorized. It's not about having a Bible degree. It's about knowing and believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the requirement for being baptized. Um, I don't want to do it in front of people. I get that. It's scary. But that's kind of the point, right? Like it's a public profession of your faith. And, and you think about when John was baptizing people, even when Jesus, there's people around right like people from the towns would come and listen and watch, and all of a sudden your neighbor is like, "Oh my goodness, there goes Joe, oh my goodness, there goes katie they're like they're in on this. This is crazy, like it was scary, I'm sure it was a little bit frightening, maybe intimidating, but it was supposed to be a public profession of faith that we've placed in Jesus Christ and honestly if like I, I'm not as big of a jerk as I pretend to be sometimes, but if you're not willing to go underwater in public for Jesus, there's a lot of other stuff you're gonna struggle with when it comes to obediently following him. And so in many ways it's a minimum expectation, a little bit of uh that intense feeling of being in front of people and maybe even talking and things like that. But this is the first thing we're called to do. You love me, you wanna follow me? Well, I'm gonna need you to go and get dunked in the river. I'm gonna need you to go get dunked in the pool and express that publicly for the world to see. How about I grew up in a different church background? Okay, maybe some of you were sprinkled as an infant. uh, You say, oh, my parents baptized me as a baby. I don't need it again. Maybe you grew up in a different tradition. Maybe you feel like your family would be upset. Maybe you'd be embarrassed going back to your old church, feeling like you're going to get kicked out or something. Um, And that's fine, but here's the thing. On the infant side, we addressed it a little bit, but that was something done to you. You can't take credit for an experience uh, that came before you were really conscious. Right? It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. And if you grew up in a different tradition, and it's very different from what I'm describing here today, I wouldn't call it sinful. I would just call it incorrect. I would say, I think they were wrong. Next one. Uh, I'm old now, and I don't think it's a big deal anymore. Obedience is always a big deal. I'm young, and I'm not sure if it's time. I'd say, man your parents would love nothing more than for you to approach them with a question about baptism, let alone anything spiritual, right? They'd just be overjoyed at the fact. They might be a little nervous, like, oh man, this is the point where I screw this kid up. I'm going to give a wrong answer. That's all fine, but talk to your parents because they'd love to talk with you. If you need to involve me, if you need to involve Joe, our next-gen pastor, we'd love to kind of speak into that. Some of you, we've come across uh, young kids or even teenagers where they're young and they're feeling like, man, I... I've decided to follow Jesus, but my parents haven't, and I don't think that they would approve. I'd say let's talk because I really think that God may be giving you a great opportunity to transform your family tree. So let's talk about that. How about uh, if I don't need baptism to go to heaven, then what's the point? I'd say I just spent 20 minutes answering that question. So if you could just... (laughs) By Tuesday, this talk will be up online. Just go back and listen, and that's going to be my answer. So I'll just save us both the the effort, and you can go back and listen. How about I've never had a good opportunity to get baptized? August 18. We've got our Fieldstone Family Picnic. We'll get you an address, but it's going to be at the Layden's house, and part of that evening will be baptisms. So if you're interested in being baptized, let's talk. Send us an email. Fill out a connection card and let us know. We'll follow up with you. Whatever you need to do, come talk to me after, um, and we'll make that happen. And honestly, we have set dates. Usually we do one in the summer. We do one in the winter. But if you called me in November and you're like, Justin, my, uh, my kid brother just got saved, and he wants to get baptized, what do we do? I'm not going to make you wait till January, right? Like, we're going to get it done. We're going to find a pool. We're going to find a bathtub. We're going to baptize that person because it's that important. It's a big deal. So we will make it easy for you, all right? So August 18 is that next one. Keep that in mind. So that's some of those reasons. So so what am I called to now? Let's say you're, you're a Christ follower, you've been baptized, you're all in on that. Then I would say to you, your job right now is to then go on and fulfill the Great Commission. Because when you believe, when you follow Jesus, and when you're baptized, and you express your faith in that way, and you've aligned yourself with Christ, you've aligned yourself with his mission, now it's your turn to go back to the beginning. Because somewhere along the line, someone in your family, a friend, a coworker, someone in your life fulfilled the Great Commission, and as they went to work, as they went to school, as they interacted with you at home, they were making the disciple out of you, and they shared the gospel with you, and you received that truth, and somewhere along the line, you got baptized, and you've been following, and you're not perfect, but you've been trying to do your best, and now it's time for you to go back and start that process over again. As you go, Share the gospel. As you go, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's your turn to fulfill that. We are loved so that we can love. We are taught so that we can teach. We believe so that we can help others believe. We are disciples so that we can make disciples. So as you go, make disciples. Love them and teach them. Show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and baptize them That was the mission of Jesus. That's the mission he's charged us with. And when we get on board with his mission, we get the amazing privilege of seeing him move in those situations. So as I close, I just want to give you this opportunity because many of you I know, and many of you, I I know your background and where you're at with Christ, but I don't know what you walked in here with. I I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you've ever really taken an opportunity because all of this begins and ends with you understanding and believing that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to sin. He's the answer to death. He's the answer to the hole in your life. And so if you do me this favor and and bow your head and close your eyes, if you're at that point where you want to give your life to Jesus, it's as simple as this. It's as simple just in the quietness of this moment in your heart saying, God, I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus is God believe that he died on the cross for me i believe he died so i could be forgiven i believe he rose again so i could have new life eternal life and god i don't know everything but god from this point forward i want to love you i want to live for you in jesus name amen if you prayed that that's the simple gospel if you prayed that if that's true in your life that is a really big deal so going out from here don't do it by yourself right this isn't supposed to be a one-on-one party let us know. You can talk to me. Let us know on a connection card. You can put it in the black box at the back, the back table there. Um, and we're not going to embarrass you. Like, we're not going to drag you up here next week and make you share your whole story and blubber in front of everybody. This is just a chance for us to come alongside you, to encourage you, to disciple you, get you in a small group, get you around people that can help you grow and learn. Um, we want to see this become a, a, a really big deal for you in your life. So that's that. Um, that's the end of the basic thing. We'll kick off a new thing next week, but if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to pray for you before we get out of here today. God, we love you and we thank you for yet another beautiful Sunday morning. Um, And God, as we ponder this great commission, this thing that you left behind for us, uh, God, I pray that we would receive it with the same seriousness and urgency that you left it. God, as we go, wherever you take us, whether it's near or far, whether it's local or international, I pray that we would be courageous with our faith, that we would shine your light and that people around us would be changed by that, be encouraged by that, and ultimately would come to know you because of that. Father, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.